All right. Oh, I guess it's up to me, right? Who's yeah. driving the bus? You, I you guess wrong. I am doing it. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Read my lips. No new taxes. Today's settlement of $787,500,000 represents vindication and accountability. Lies have consequences. It's the Ricochet Podcast. I'm Rob Long with Peter Robinson and Charlie Cook. Today we're going to talk to Ann Coulter, buckle your seatbelts, and Deb Saunders. Lots to talk about. Let's have a podcast. Believe me, you'll never get bored with winning. We never get bored. Hello and welcome to the Ricochet Podcast number 638. 638 podcasts. Oh, man. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess 638 more to go. Um, I am Rob Long in New York City. I'm joined as always by Peter Robinson in Palo Alto, California. How are you, Peter? I'm very well. I should say that James Lilacs is abroad. James Lilacs is taking that trip to Spain that we uh, that caused so much commotion over the the proper pronunciation of uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, depends on where you're from. Um, and we're joined by Charles C. Cook, Charlie Cook in Florida. Is that correct? Correct. How you doing? Everything good? We should uh, we should before we get jumping into the news. We have Ann Coulter as a guest and Deb Saunders, so it's going to be a packed show. Before we get in there, we do want to say we had a great time in New Orleans, Charlie. Right? We did absolutely. We stood on the street and we watched Dixieland Jazz. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was and that was after a great dinner with a bunch of people. Um, we had a, I don't know. We had about thirty, maybe thirty more, or thirty more. Um, Ricochet members came. Spent some people spent the whole week. Some people spent the long weekend. Uh, some people like me flew in and flew out. Um, Randy Waivota, he organized the whole thing, did a great job. Of course, Melissa, you know, she set up the podcast recording, which will be posted shortly, which was really more of a conversation. Um among all of us because people joined in so you might have to tune up the video to hear to the audio to hear everybody uh uh, uh joined by a, a member named dan who um has been a longtime member a charter member a bunch of charter members peter by the really? way really yeah you should come to one of these they, they would like I, to yes. shake your hand um and uh a lot of them like dan had have never posted they're just members of the community um really and that's really? great and then some great ideas came too many people to name all some great ideas came out of it. a lot of people had some great thoughts for um uh, painter gene for instance she had a great uh, thought for maybe we have some kind of like a ricochet version of ricochet Etsy somewhere on the, on the site, which would be awesome. Um, anyways, great time. A lot of great conversation. A lot of fun. Um, I did have to buy two drinks. I told you I would buy drinks for anyone who joined Ricochet just to come to that meetup. And there were two people raised their hand. They both got pretty good Sazeracs, by the way. Um, and if you're listening to this and you've thought to yourself, I, yeah, I don't know. Do I want to join? I'll, I'll I'll join just to throw them some money. I mean, we'd like you to say that, by the way. Um, you should join for the things like this. This was lo- loads of fun. There are going to be more of them. We'll talk about more of them later. Um, but this is part of the joy of being in a community of actual people and not just uh, faceless um, and uh, bots. You know, um, we get together and we have fun. So um, next time, Peter, you got to come. I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, in the meantime, we are um, going to talk a little bit today with uh, Anne and Deb. Anne's another Florida resident. I want to talk to uh, get, get Anne and, and Charlie to talk a little bit about 
Um, whether this the implosion of Ron DeSantis is real, fake, imagined, uh, wish casting in the parts of the liberal media, or what parts of it are true, what parts of it are false, if not all of them are false. But before we do, um, speaking of 2024, Robert Kennedy Jr. is running for president of the United States. He's already polling at 14%. I don't know what to say about that, except until very recently, I just assumed he was kind of a crackpot on the fringes. But that doesn't mean that's not actually mutually exclusive. I don't know what to make of it either. I thought he was a crackpot on the fringes because of his... Well, I'll tell you why. Because I read what the mainstream press has been saying about him for lo these many years. And so far as I knew, he had dedicated himself after a series of sort of conventional liberal do-gooding causes. He dedicated himself in recent years to the cause of anti-vaccines. And um, then it turns out, according to friends of mine who know more about this than I do, that at least during COVID, he had the better of a number of arguments. Uh, and the public health authorities and the conventional wisdom had the worse. So I don't, I really don't know what to make. The, the numbers, of course, indicate that, well, there, it seems to me it indicates a couple of things. One is that Joe Biden is just extremely weak. If Robert Kennedy, whom only people our age and up, and I refer to you and me, Rob, and exclude Charlie, our <laughs> age and up, actually is have a working, up? yeah, actually not much, actually have a working memory of when the Kennedys were a glamorous and serious right. element in American politics, so that he's pulling 14% when most of the electorate can't remember who the Kennedys are exactly, says something. And then the other thing it says is that the Barriers to entry, to use a business school term, are way low now when it comes to presidential races. I don't believe Vivek Ramaswamy really is running for president. It's hard for me to believe it. Uh, maybe in his heart of hearts he is, but it looks to me as though there's no downside in running for president if you're Vivek Ramaswamy or now Larry Elder apparently has announced that he's running for president. You get your talk radio num numbers right. up, you get your uh, you start collecting email addresses to whom the publisher of your next book can promote your book, and maybe RFK Jr. is doing something like that. Uh, this is just. You got to be careful wild. though, because you might win. I mean, that's kind of what Trump. Yes, thought. yes, exactly. And on election night, exactly. it, it, nobody was more surprised than he. Exactly. So, well, I, let's see what I, Charlie Trump, Charlie makes of all this. Well, I think the second point you made is is the key one. I I do think he's a kook. Um, you do, but oh yeah, you've looked but, into it more than I have. Well, the the thing is, is if you're reflexively against all vaccines and consider them to be a plot, you will eventually stumble upon a position that could, if you squint, <laughs> seem prescient. <laughs> um, you know, my mother teaches children with autism, and and he ran around the country yeah. and the world telling parents that vaccines can give you autism as if it's an infectious disease, which is lunacy. But this guy's a kook. But but I think you're. Dead on, Peter, when you say that the fact that he jumped up instantly to 14, 15% shows us something about Biden. And I actually think the press is underplaying this story, Shock Horror. Mm -hmm. The history of sitting presidents who are challenged, including by Kennedy's, mm. is not one right. that you would wish to see repeated. Has if anybody you won? are a Democrat? 
Has anybody well, ever won without happening? No. I mean, yeah. it, it, obviously there are fringe candidates. I don't mean ideologically. I mean, in terms of their support, who say, I'm going to challenge the president. In 2016, Bill Weld ran for the Republican nomination against Donald Trump, but he never polled at more than two or three percent. Even that was rare. Right. Uh, there was no right. challenger for Obama. There was no challenger for George W. Bush. There was no challenger for Clinton. There was a challenger for George H.W. Bush. His name was Pat Buchanan. He polled in the double digits and he really did a lot of damage to George yes, H.W. Bush's re-election campaign. Before that, Ted Kennedy took on Ron, uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, damaged Jimmy Carter a great deal. Two of the seven campaign videos that Ronald Reagan ran in 1980 were just Ted Kennedy speaking, and then at the end it said Reagan for president. Um, four years <laughs> earlier, Reagan, Reagan himself... <laughs> had taken yeah. on Gerald Ford, nearly won the nomination. Gerald Ford lost. It never came to that in 68 because Johnson stepped out, but he had a challenger. Robert F. Kennedy was one of them. Uh, right. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s father. The point here is that we have not, in half a century or more, had a challenger who has polled in the double digits against a sitting president, and that sitting president won the subsequent re-election campaign. This could do a lot of damage. And the fact, as you said, that that Biden uh, is at 85% against this guy who is a kook, who is not well-known, right. shows you that he's weak and really should represent an alarm. Not because Biden's going to lose the nomination, not, I think, because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be the nominee or the president, but just because it's very unusual and it never ends well. Right, I mean... That that so, that, how come you didn't provide that history lesson, Rob? Well, I was gonna. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie didn't even go to Yale for goodness sake. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, look, I mean, I guess the question is, um, if you're the Biden campaign, which is starting, I guess it's gonna. They, people say it's gonna announce next week. What are you hoping for? Um, are you hoping for a Donald Trump? Are you hoping for? Someone else? I mean, right right now, the political calculation seems to be to be just from looking at how incredibly over the top the the the, the criticism of Ron DeSantis is, and also just it, it, how um, how it, you know this is my own uh, takeaway here. How overly um, um, uh, excited and excitable the press is about the missteps that that they perceive that Ron DeSantis has done. Um, that they are really frightened of him. Oh, for sure. Um, so they don't want him. But I remember 2016, they really wanted Trump. They still want Trump. They still, they still want, Trump. want Trump. They still want Trump. Trump. Could, could I, this, I'm going to say something that sounds obvious, and it is obvious, except that it surprised me at the time, and it has never ceased to surprise me since. The first time I walked into the Oval Office, oh, I was, I don't, can't remember. <laughs> I, my first impression was, and it just th words formed unbidden in my mind. Wait a minute. He's just a man. And, and we tend to forget at least, and I would tend to forget it. Every time you see Ronald, I, I live, I worked in a white house. So it's, it's in my head that at the center of all of this is an 80 something year old human being 
who is clearly declining and declining pretty quickly. Everyone around him knows that. I can tell you from working in an operation like that, that the that if the president seems a little off one morning, word moves right through the whole organization. That And so there are people who we complain all the time about the way the progressive left is trying to keep us from saying anything out loud. In that organization, they're not allowed to say to each other, you know, I'm not sure he's going to look too good by convention time. Um, so so there, there is this, this weird thing where they all know that he's declining, but nobody's allowed to say so, except RFK Jr., perhaps. But I'm just... It's very easy to do to talk about these term in terms of sort of strategy, as if these right. people we're talking about are big Macy's Day balloons parading down the the political street, or that they have control over themselves. In any, Correct, they're in human beings. Um, they're all right, human so beings. let's jump right into this, and we're talking about politics, and we are joined by our old friend, Ann Coulter. Um, that's how you know you're listening to an independent, fearless, conservative podcast. Because Anne's here to give us some independent and fearless conservative conversation. Um, uh, Anne was fam- famously wrote a book called In Trump We Trust, and then I can't, <laughs> then probably has a, an addendum to it, which is a little bit more um, <laughs> full-throated. Um, I've given the answer one million times before. Yeah, of course I would write In Trump We Trust again. Look at the people he was running against. Um, mm-hmm. They were all mm-hmm. open borders. I mean, it was the same reason I supported Romney. Uh, his self-deportation versus um, Huckleberry, who said illegal immigration is how we make up for slavery. Newt Gingrich, who wanted um, to just let Did he say it like that, though. I don't think he said it like that. That, much like that. No, that was a very good imitation. <laughs> okay. Gingrich, um, remember, he wanted to let them all pour in and let towns take. We'll have town councils and have them vote on which illegals can stay. Um, this is just this has been a dividing line between the public um, and our leaders and our elites forever. I knew immigration was the most important issue. It still is because Trump didn't do anything. When I turned on Trump, um, you're obviously not following me assiduously on Twitter, um, (laughs) pretty much right away. I mean, at, at the time of the nomination, he started hiring, you know, Jared Kushner and the rest of them. And um, unlike Fox News, I don't lie. Uh, I've been taking the slings and arrows for attacking him for not fulfilling his promises, which won him the White House. Um, I said he wouldn't win if he didn't win re-election, if he didn't build the wall. And guess what? He didn't build the wall and he didn't win re-election. So I'm still looking for a politician who will make those promises. The best thing that could have happened to the country, something else I've said a million times, would have been if on election night 2016, he comes out at 2 a.m., um, woohoo, we beat Hillary, yay, uh, he won if he had had a heart attack and died right then, because that's <laughs> all we ever got out of Trump. He had the best campaign um, of any presidential campaign I've ever seen, and then decided it was all about him, it wasn't the issues, and started immediately betraying his base. Um, all right, so, okay, so that that... Why he didn't do it? I mean, I, you and I, and you and I have have 
have but wildly and, and and bizarrely found ourselves on the same side in crowded dining in crowded dinner parties making these so arguments so seldom a good sign. every now and so then i could see and looking in uh, around this and cry table filled with like really smart people and saying it's this guy i i'm agreeing with like have you know the shadow <laughs> of doubt comes over you um why isn't immigration still an issue i mean no one's talking about it. anybody talking about it i haven't seen it it's 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 a uh, it's cultural issues it's uh, the woke this the woke that no one's talking about immigration well i sort of despair of my party and the country and thus the world um i don't know we i mean people have said it forever democrats are the evil party republicans are the stupid party and whoa mama are they fulfilling that right now they they want right. to talk about i mean how do we win we win on crime and immigration crime and immigration that is what people are desperate to vote on and no our party is running off, I mean, many of them running off on conspiracy theories. And was the FBI really behind January 6th? And Big Pharma and Bill Gates is inserting us with 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 clip with chips. And now they've been played, as I wrote a couple of weeks ago, the Democrats only hope for getting Biden reelected. Um, and they are going to have to do the weekend at Bernie's thing is to, <laughs> to maneuver Republicans into renominating Donald Trump, who has now lost three election cycles in a row for us. So what do they do? Exactly what they did throughout his his term in office, which is was the thesis of my book, Resistance is Futile. Instead of attacking Trump for stuff he's actually done, they attack him on these utterly nonsense charges, and they drive people who hate him, like me, um, into defending him and right. saying, no, he's a douche, but he's not a Russian agent. Knock it off, media. <laughs> right. And so they launched this ridiculous, um, and it is ridiculous, um, the, the, the DA, Alvin Bragg's um, indictment of Donald Trump. And man, did they play the conservative media. I don't know if you guys listen to conservative talk radio. In a way, we're lucky um, that AM is being removed from all cars right now. Buck and Clay talk about nothing but Emperor God, Donald Trump, and oh my gosh, he's so great. And did, did you see the Republicans last week? They hold, or maybe this week, whenever um, they hold a hearing attacking Alvin Bragg. I mean, the entire Republican Party is now in a. All they will talk about is we must save Trump. Tucker is interviewing him. Oh, he's back on top at Fox. Um, so yeah, okay, Republicans. I, I thought next year was going to be a blast. We'd have. Um, Governor Ron DeSantis running against this senile dementia patient. Things would be fun. Woohoo! Finally, we start to win again. It's been a long time since we've won. Uh, nope. Nope. My party has decided we are pedals to the metal for a fourth loss. Okay. And you're advising <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Do you say, do you say what some people are blogging already? It's just not your year. You're young. You're too talented to destroy yourself, flinging yourself at Donald Trump. Just sit this one out. Or do you say, what do you say? I mean, the argue, the counter argument is there was a poll the other day that showed in a head-to-head -head match, matchup in, I think it was three of the states, Arizona, Georgia, and one other of the so-called battlegrounds, not Pennsylvania, maybe it was North Carolina. In any event, Trump was trailing Biden in all three states, and DeSantis was up on Biden in all three states. There's a funny way in which a DeSantis has not uttered one. He has not uttered the T word once. He has, he's still holding his fire. And he's still in double. I mean, there's a certain sense in which 
he's still in a strong position, but it's hard to escape the feeling that he needs to do something. Fire a gun, run up a flag, let your people know that you're still in the fight. Okay, all I'm doing is displaying exasperation. What would you tell him? I totally disagree with your analysis. This was DeSantis's <laughs> to lose. He was doing everything right, ignoring Trump, pushing through really fantastic stuff in Florida. Just one thing, win after win after win. He was way ahead of anyone out there except, I suppose, the president of Sweden on the reaction to COVID. And, you know, a lot of us have, have put right. it in back of our our minds but no a lot of kids were ruined careers were ruined that is still a live important issue and he didn't just you know flip a coin and say oh i'll keep the state open no he was talking to um you know rob's friend jay bakaria jay Um, bhattacharya jay bhattacharya my friend yeah Yeah, i I lent him to rob who by the way who by the way who paid a price for um being right Yeah, the whole Great Barrington Declaration, guys. He was listening to them. He did the right thing. Um, Same thing on crime. Same thing on Black Lives Matter. And up until this week, or was it last week, I called and screamed at all of his um, campaign people. Boy, they must love to see your caller ID pop up. He was doing the exact right thing on abortion until a week ago Uh, and now he's signed the republican assisted suicide act so let's move on and try to find somebody else no seriously you're done with ron desantis i think he cannot win he cannot win how many and by the way peter and and rob i think you both know um i am a fanatical pro-lifer i have been writing and talking about this forever it is because i want to save babies that i think it's better for republicans to be elected than for democrats to be elected we've had 11 elections since dobbs and these hardcore anti-abortion um bills initiatives candidates judges lose 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 what what desantis did originally um um only allow abortion for the first 15 weeks Beautiful, perfect. So what went wrong? Did he did he lose control of the of his own legislature? How did that happen? How did they move from 15 to 6? He's who knows. He signed a 6-week ban and I have been in in um Florida for the past week and going out quite a bit with different kinds of people, not just idiot donors, but some idiot donors. <laughs> uh, and I don't even bring it up. Every place I go, everyone is saying He's done. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? So what was he supposed to do? Because he he won the election so well, 19 points, swept in all sorts of people all across the state, uh, put super majorities in both the Senate and the House in the state. He couldn't veto the bill, could he? Well, for one thing, he's kind of powerful. What he should have done is call up the Republicans and say, knock this crap off. But if you don't have the foresight to do that, wow, he has foresight with hurricanes. He has foresight with tornadoes. He has foresight with COVID. He has foresight with BLM. But this, oh, huh, this just appeared out of nowhere. I guess I got to sign it. But yes, if it comes to that, and you're not anticipating anything that's going on in the Florida legislature. Oh, my gosh, where did this come from? Yeah, you veto it. 
oh, yes, you veto it. You say the public isn't there yet. Um, we're going to do this incrementally. We're going to do it bit by bit. Um, I'm pro-life, I would say, because I am. We try to talk people out of it. I, I mean, I, I did a video on this on my Substack, um, two videos, in fact, about how abortion was, was killing us. And I think unlike a lot of other people saying this, I don't know if it's all of them, Again, I am a genuinely pro-life person. I always have been. I always will be. Um, these are zealots who don't care about saving babies' lives. Oh, and by the way, don't care about saving adults' lives. Because once we have huge Democratic majorities in the House, in the Senate, and the presidency, well, good luck keeping your guns. Oh, we're totally going to get we're going to get the most heinous legislation. This is going to be worse than the post-Watergate Congress if Republicans, if the zealots keep this crap up. So more babies will die, more adults will die, but you'll have these zealots who will be so proud of their write-up in Catholic so, Insights magazine. So, so Anne, you, I have some really bad news for you. Mm hmm. I think we agree. I mean, I don't. I, I would. I, I, I would. Put, I would put it nicer. But I've talked about how the you know the the argument about the anti rhino movement in the Republican Party is a disaster. That the Republican Party needs more rhinos. Well, I don't think this is the rhino position. So I'm sorry. I disagree with you on that. That's good. Um, I'm trying to figure out how he gets out of this. Um, because but, he, uh, okay, but isn't this early? Come on. It's like, what is this? Like, it's like, a, it's, it's, it's April. I'm hoping that, but unless he takes this back, I think there's a very, very good chance he loses the general against Biden. And I would, I mean, I have all these stake bets all over town that the nominee isn't going to be Trump. I didn't specifically say it would be DeSantis, but I have really been looking forward to next year. Having DeSantis, you know, smart and energetic and all these wins, having him run against Biden. And now the presidential election will be all about abortion. And like every other election we have had since Dobbs, everyone. Everyone, Kansas, New Hampshire, Michigan, not just, you know, crazy states like right. New York and California. Apparently, um, I don't care what people say in polls when they go into the privacy of the voting booth. And I think I know why they say this. Um, they they decide, OK, I would never have an abortion. I would advise everyone around me not to have an abortion. I do think this is a life, but I don't want to to prohibit other people from doing it. And if I could just say one other thing about that, this the stupid rhino line um, or Democrat line, technically, about I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I don't think the government. OK, that's stupid when it's a constitutional right. We won pro-lifers. It is a hideous thing that for this long, the, the right to stick a fork in a baby's head was enshrined in our Constitution, according to the Supreme Court. It was hideous. To get something attached to the Constitution, it, it really should be a basic fundamental right. We won on that. But when it comes to state laws, I think it actually does make some sense. And I, I mean, I'm just trying to explain why people in polls say they're against abortion. But right. then when they say, oops, don't want to end it. I think it does make some sense to say I'm personally opposed, but six weeks is too short. That's basically banning abortion from conception, which I'm not against. Oh, and I came up with the um, compromise proposal. So don't think I'm not constantly working on these things. You're, the you're a problem solver. Yeah, I'm a problem words. solver. And that is, I think we need laws that ban abortion only for registered Republicans. 
<laughs> so how does he take it back? I mean, you said take it back. And if he doesn't and can't take it back, who who'd you get? Because, you know, Brian Kemp signed a six-week abortion ban. Greg Abbott signed a six-week abortion ban. Mike DeWine, not that he's a presidential candidate, signed a six-week abortion ban. I mean, Glenn Youngkin, is that the sort of person? No, we're none, of at? Those, none of those are presidential candidates. How he could take it back, which I consider the more important thing, Um I think he'd he'd wait a few months, um, go back to the morons in the Florida legislature and just say, we think this is unworkable, um, you know, attach some other stuff to it. Like, I think they already have, you know, encouragement for adoption, which is great. I'm all for that. Um, but take it back and go back to, I don't know, 12 weeks, 10 weeks. It can't we will lose on that. And, you know, Democrats will run on that. And who are my backup choices? Um, I have two of them. Um, one I'd like to ask you guys about, because there's one thing that's a, a gaping <laughs> hole in this idea. And that is, yes, the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, and the governor of Montana, Greg Gianforte. Those are my only two backups. Everyone else you mentioned was ridiculous and would never be a candidate anyway. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Just one one. Ex- pull, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Greg Abbott, I can see, is too Texan. He's not going to travel. But Brian Kemp, I, I, I've not met him. I don't know the man. And you're just shaking your head as though I'm saying absurd, I'm talking crazy talk. Why is it crazy talk? Georgia's a big, complicated state. He's 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 stood up. He has there's no Trump fingerprint on the man anywhere in his record, and he got elected pretty big, right? That's What's wrong with him? Exactly what he won on running against Trump as Biden. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only thing that's good about him. Um, Georgia Republicans were trying to tell us, please just send us a normal Republican. Take that away. And um, no, he's working a lot. Well, the, I mean, <laughs> just, the, the reason I mentioned those people, I agree with you, they're not running. Uh, that was sort of what I was saying. So that's why I mentioned Glenn Youngkin, because it seems to me that that's your choice, right? I mean, if it's not DeSantis, that's your choice. And I, I think he's good. I'd be totally happy with Glenn Youngkin as a nominee. The problem with him is, um, which I've seen because I've been promoting him as DeSantis's vice president until now, the problem with Youngkin, which shows up in all of my Substack comments whenever I do a video promoting Youngkin as the, my vice presidential choice is, um, which kind of annoys me, is, oh, Carlisle, Carlisle, oh, I'd never vote for somebody from Carlisle. And I say to these people, for one thing, look we, at what he we, did. We should, we should we, I interrupt you. Carlisle Carl is, is a, 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 a very, very powerful, connected, private equity um, merchant, what we, we used to call a merchant bank. And so there's going to be tons and tons of really, really horrible stuff they're going to be able to dig up that, that Carlisle did. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, back back in I, the 19th that's... century, when they were still funding whaling ships, we called them merchant banks. Yes, Rob. I... <laughs> Keep the old well, ways. That's what I'm you know. deferring to you guys on. Well, first of all, what do I say to people who, oh, he was with Carla? I mean, just for the fact that someone is smart and went to Carla, it's like rejecting DeSantis because he went to Harvard. Um, yes, if 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 our candidate is in a black box and we know absolutely nothing else about him, but he once worked at Carlisle. Totally with you. So, so do you feel? Do you feel? We know other stuff, and he's done really great stuff. But what I defer to you guys, and I haven't looked into this because I was just thinking of him as vice presidential candidate until last week. Um, He he was involved in some buyouts. Now, I I, I mean, it depends what kind of buyout it, it was. 
So, so you tell me when we, we went through this, you went through this in particular because you were very strongly in favor of Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was at Bain Capital and made $200 million. Glenn Youngkin went to Carlisle and made $100 million. So there's some rough cut where the opposition ought to be about half as much to Youngkin as it was to Romney. But w was that fatal for Romney? Could he have overcome it? Because if Romney was able to overcome it, Youngkin should be able to as well. As far as I can tell, he's a terrific guy. He was, what was he? They, they had some kind of split leadership of Carlisle when he was running the place. There were co-CEOs or something like that. Um, I myself have some doubts about the early days of Carlisle when it was filled with uh, George H.W. Bush people and the Arabs were the first big investors. Yeah. It was. It looked a little. I would rather. But Glenn Youngkin came along long after that. After Rubenstein had turned it into a big operation. Uh, basically, the, I, I mean, the charge is not that he's up to nefarious uh, uh, deals. That I don't think that could stick against him. Let them dig and dig and dig. If as if the press ever actually wanted to do any real reporting again. The charge is just that he's. He's a white guy who's rich. It's the same. It's the Romney problem. Well, I I think right? it, um, no, no. I, I mean, I hope I hope you you're that is correct. But it isn't just that he's a white guy that rich <laughs> that's rich. It's Romney's problem. And again, I would still support him. He was the only he had the toughest position on immigration at the time. Um, and our country is going. Well, oh, my gosh, you guys are in California. You know what happens to the whole country with unrestricted immigration. So. Um, with Romney, I mean, the most important fact everyone in politics should know, the Democrats sure know it, Daniel Shore sure knows it, is every single election is decided by the white working class. Now, Youngkin has a lot of pull with the white working class. How did he win that election in a purple state? Exactly it right. Hispanics. It was the white working class. He, right. he went after the schools. His first day in office, look him up on Wikipedia, his first day in office, it was just executive order, executive order. No masks, no vaccine mandate, no CRT in the schools. Um, so he's done a lot of great stuff, and he does have that attraction to the white working class. So that's fantastic. What, what we need to know, what killed Romney, in my opinion, wasn't just rich white guy. He also was kind of a dork, <laughs> sort of stiff. I don't think Youngkin is that. No, but I don't think so either. Specifically that his deals laid off a lot of people, a lot of the white working class. So on, on the DeSantis issue, I think that if you're right about the six-week ban, and I'm not sure you are, although I do accept it's a challenge, then he's dead and you need to give up on him. Uh, because the prospect of taking it back, I think, would be worse. Uh, he has a reputation as this fighter who doesn't back down, doesn't care. He's going to have to keep that reputation if he's going to beat Trump, let alone be a presidential nominee. If he goes back to the legislature and says, change this to 10 weeks, in the minds of the people who care about this, the difference between 10 and six weeks is not good enough. Also, he's already signed six weeks. 15, maybe. You stick with 15, I can see an argument. But 10, 8, the legislature is not going to repeal the law. Take it back to 15. So what you're saying, in effect, I think, is he's done. If you're right about the underlying question, which, again, I'm not sure you are, although I do think it's a challenge. 
No, unfortunately, what what I'm seeing, if I were looking into my crystal ball, and I hope it doesn't work this way, is, yeah, he gets the nomination and then he loses the general because of the abortion ban. I disagree that he there is no way for him or the legislature to take it back. No politician has no candidate has ever won an election on the grounds. I'm consistent. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. Um, there are changed circumstances. There is nothing wrong mm-hmm. with taking back a bad bill. I think it shows flat flexibility and compromise. He's just got to understand that this is going to kill him. And I don't think he does. Okay. So I got two questions for you. One question easy. And I'm, you know, there are only two candidates that I can tell right now in the Republican party running as if they're running in a Republican primary, meaning fist flying. One's Donald Trump and the other is former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. He's running. Yeah. Well, that's the lesson. Um, and back to um, to connect to the question, um, Peter asked me a couple questions back. No, DeSantis can't wait. Chris Christie is the example. When your right. time is now, you better take it. Because when he was running, and and I would have supported him, um, turns out would have been a mistake because he was listening to the Wall Street Journal on immigration and many other things. Um, but remember, Christie was you know the golden boy when he was when he was um, really going after the public sector unions in New right. Jersey. Yeah. that was brave. It was smart. It was a crucial issue. People it's- I know called it in Hollywood called it Chris Christie porn. They would begin. Meetings or sessions because they want to go on YouTube just to watch him yell at teachers unions. Um, So my second question is is this right now. um, um, If you're smart and you're DeSantis, you're probably trying to pivot quickly to away from the stuff that you're not going to win on and back to all the brilliant stuff you did and the trolling you did with immigration, which is he's doing an inherited speech, I think, right today, talking about sending illegals to Martha's Vineyard. That's the first time that the that anybody cared about illegal immigration on the left um isn't it possible and uh, just possible that when people go in to vote they're not it's not going to be an isolated vote in the general i mean not an isolated vote the way it is and you know on a b- ballot initiatives or judges or things like that in statewide it's in general they're going to on balance say well you know what he might build a wall and he might get tough on crime and uh, will live to fight abortion another, another day is is that possible Oh my gosh, I hope so. Oh my gosh, I hope so. Because he is so perfect other than this. Really, really so fantastic. And by the way, he isn't just trolling on immigration. No, uh, I agree. I mean, you know what I meant, though. No, it was no, a, it was I a, want to mention yeah. this about him because it's crime and immigration are the issues Republicans win on. Please keep talking about it and stop talking about abortion Republicans. Um, he um, went after winning re-election, getting a supermajority. He introduced an amazing immigration series of proposals that he is going to push through the legislature and standing up to donors on it, which is which is quite brave. There are a lot of agricultural interests in in Florida. It's huge ag state. Um, And needless to say, the like like the slave owners, uh, they want their cheap labor. So it is a very powerful interest group to stand up to. And yet and still, he's still pushing E-Verify across the state. All kinds of great ideas um, on checking, not accepting driver's licenses from states that give driver's licenses to illegals. So it's just, I mean, it's point, 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 point. Why he didn't force the Florida legislature to push that through first? No, let's start with the Republican Assisted Suicide Act. 
Hey, and so, Charlie wants to come in with what I'm sure will be an extremely perceptive question that will frame <laughs> everything up and allow you to sum up everything you have to say. I have a light question first. <laughs> Is DeSantis likable? I think so. I mean, I've met him. I've met his people. I've seen him speak. Um, there's nothing creepy about him, which there kind of was <laughs> with Mitt Romney. He was just, I mean, I liked Mitt Romney, but he was a dork and not everybody likes a dork. Um, what's his name? Blake, can I put the question another, and, and then I will shut up because Charlie, ha I'm sure Charlie will ask a brilliant question. So this puts things very, very crudely, but as you know, extremely well, there are two basic ways of running for president. One is the Ronald Reagan approach. Vote for me. I'm one of you. Mm -hmm. and the other is the Mitt Romney approach, also the Hillary Clinton approach. Vote for me, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> Where's DeSantis? Okay, I reject that characterization of Romney. But um, no, I mean, it's the stuff, I think especially right now, um, Americans are feeling so beaten down and losing, losing, losing the transgender stuff, the CRT, the endless attacks on white people and white males and guns to have this governor winning, winning, winning. When I've watched his speeches, it's funny. Um, and I think he can he can fix this. The parts of his DeSantis's speeches I hate are the beginning and the end, because that's when he does the BS like campaign speak. And we we will never stop, or I don't know, whatever the nonsense cliches are. The second he gets onto policy, he's not only engaged, but you just, you could be, you know, trying to run an errand. You have to sit on your bed and watch the speech because his wins on policy and his thinking behind it, it's really interesting. It's really engaging. And I, I mean, I think that's the, the Glenn Youngkin appeal. Uh, give Americans issues to vote on and they'll vote on them. We just need our leaders and our conservative media, Fox News, talk radio, to please stop talking about the stupid stuff. Please, please, please stop. Yeah, so I live in Florida too, although I am sure you're a lot more plugged in than I am. And uh, I I'm have actually enjoyed... Play, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, I... Uh... I have enjoyed him as governor. I think he's been a terrific governor. A very small number of things I objected to, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter. Uh, why do you think we're seeing Floridian congressmen after Floridian congressmen endorsing Trump instead of DeSantis? I know DeSantis is not in the race, but Thomas Massey didn't care. Chip Roy didn't care. Um, some people have said this is because DeSantis doesn't, call him up himself. He doesn't rub shoulders. He doesn't do that part of politics very well, whereas Trump will call people on his cell phone and say, hi, will you endorse me? Do you need anything? I'm sorry to hear you broke your foot. I mean, is this a problem or is this media nonsense? I think that's media nonsense. I mean, I I, I, I do hate to insult other Republicans um, or elected Republicans at all. But I think if you look at the list of Republicans who have endorsed Trump, they're the or they're the equivalent of RAOC. Um, they're they're not the ones you necessarily want endorsing you. They are kind of the crazy ones. Now, I like some of the stuff crazy people on our side do, um, but they they aren't our impressive Republicans. Thomas Massey is our impressive Republican. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, I just had a one hour interview with him. I put up on Substack. Oh my gosh, that man is great. <laughs> right. So there's somebody you like. 
And he's endorsed DeSantis. And he's probably going to be the next senator from Kentucky. <laughs> Hopefully okay. soon. All right. So, Ann, um, um, uh, uh, we know you got to go. Uh, before we go, Substack. Tell me about Substack. Let's get a Substack uh, um, plug in here right now. Well, it's fantastic. And I, I, I mean, your Substack. I don't mean Substack in general. Substack. AnnCoulter.Substack.com. And the reason I went to it was because of all the censorship on Twitter. Um, Substack, it's lots of fun. I put up columns, random thoughts, things that would be suppressed and shadow banned on Twitter. Um, videos. I, I mean, the video with uh, Thomas Massey was fantastic. That was this week. I do Heather McDonald a lot. Amy Wax, the most dangerous woman in America. I did a couple with John Lott with, with guns being in the news. Um, I'm, I'm doing a few repeats because I realized right before I do the videos, I, I don't really just want to talk to somebody to talk to somebody. I want to talk to smart people, and I don't care if I have to repeat myself. Oh, sometimes regularly with smart liberal Mickey Kaus. Um, but if I could just segue to one thing that's really driving me crazy, and I think people who even aren't on Twitter should care about it, and that is um, how Twitter has gone from being the world's marketplace of ideas to to utter censorship. We know what the old regime did, and Elon is, if anything, making it worse. Um, the removal of blue check marks, which the sole purpose of that was to prove you really are Bob Dole. You really are Thomas Massey. You really are the New York Police Department. You, you just pulled Bob Dole out for, <laughs> okay. You called Rob Long. You're the one who got me my Twitter handle because true. there was a fake Ann Coulter on Twitter. Well, you got it for me, got the blue check. I did. I'm very so, powerful. And by the way, a, approximately once a month, there is a fake Ann Coulter that happens to come to my attention and I need to report that person. Okay, so the old regime turned it into, oh, this is a reward for liberals. Okay, don't do that anymore. But but let us be able to distinguish, am I attacking AOC or am I, am I attacking some idiot right-wing meme creator who's pretending to be AOC? So that he's ruined. And the main thing I think he's ruined um, I mean, it's stupid to be driving liberals from off of Twitter. The whole point is we want to see them so we can tweak them. And but the the biggest way I think he's I don't think he's removed the shadow banning um, is that to show how um, there will be no shadow banning. We won't throw people off Twitter. He brings back on the worst people, the Nazis, the Donald Trumps, the Alex Joneses. But, you know, smart right wingers who are saying uncomfortable truths. Um, oh, say Jared Taylor. Nope. He's still banned. We're not going to let you hear from any smart people that are not safe for work. But whoa, we'll put the Nazis back on. Thanks, Elon. Thanks. That's great. That's just what we wanted. Okay, so that was the question about Substack. So we're we're going to make sure. But that's why everybody's going yeah. to Substack. No censorship, no ads. It shows up in your inbox. Right. It's loads of fun. Right. And I have a lot of terrific content. And you're having a lot of fun with it. That's and and uh, that's um I, I I'm a Substack. I'm an Ann Coulter Substack su subscriber. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, take a deep breath. Everything's gonna be okay. Number G and four, say. Eh? Yeah, exactly right. See you soon. And thank you. Thank you. Well, after all of this, you're going to need a good night's sleep. And of course, with the warm weather ahead, you're going to spend more time outside, enjoying longer days, more daylight. It's a lot of fun, but. All days start with one thing, and that is a great night's sleep. 
Ball and Branch is the bedding expert, making the highest quality sheets with incredible craftsmanship. Each sheet set is slow made for an unmatched softness with 100% traceable organic cotton that gets softer with every wash. The signature hem sheets from Ball and Branch are a bestseller for a reason. Ball and Branch uses the highest quality 100% organic cotton threads on earth. Each sheet is slow made for a superior softness and a better night's sleep. They feel buttered to the touch and are super breathable, so they're perfect for both cooler and warmer weather, and that's why they're loved by millions of sleepers. And you can hear from more than 10,000 of them who've given Bowen Branch five-star reviews, but here's one, me. Um, it, it, one thing they say, and it's kind of buried in all the other stuff, They these sheets get better and better and better as you wash them. They They feel like... These fantastic, fantastically soft, beautiful sheets that are more comfortable with every wash, which is not, which is a lot to say for a pair of sheets. So keep in mind, Ball & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. You can sleep better at night with Ball & Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code RICOCHET at BallAndBranch.com. That's Ball & Branch, all one word, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code RICOCHET. See the site for details, some exclusions apply, but we have to thank Ball & Branch for sponsoring the Ricochet Podcast. It's a great product, and they've been a great supporter. We are very lucky, again, to have uh, Deborah Saunders. Deb is a syndicated columnist and fellow with the Discovery Institute's Chapman Center for Citizen Leadership. You can find most of her work at the Creator Syndicate. She was a White House correspondent during the Trump administration. She is now writing and thinking and thinking and writing about the press. So I got to ask... First of all, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, $787 million to settle a very, what looked like a lawsuit that was going uh, against Fox, although who knows. Um, Is there anything you can take away from this uh, other than um, people pay a lot of money to not take the stand? We live in a corporate age. So there was a time when you would have seen Fox be pro-First Amendment, we're journalists, we're going to fight this, we're not going to have anybody tell us that we can't do our jobs, which is what this lawsuit is all about. Dominion is going after Fox News for reporting on the election. Were there people on Fox News that said things that were ridiculous? Absolutely. And Dominion's free to sue them, and they are suing them. But going after Fox News, that's just, that's going after the money. Right. And it's going after the headlines and it makes Dominion not look like a bunch of gritty people asking for a lot more money than they're worth, but as if they're they're champions for something. And and unfortunately, the the news media are just incredibly bad in their reporting on this. You don't really see the other side. You can read long stories about this case, and everybody is dumping on 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 Fox News and nobody's questioning this lawsuit. It's really upsetting. Um and I, you know Rupert Murdoch, well he's used to paying off people in lawsuits, right? So I guess it's no big for him, but this is not a good thing for journalism and I wish more people understood that. So so the pushback on that I know Peter wants to get him in, is that they were reckless, that they that, that as a corporate policy, they knew that this was false and they went ahead they didn't just say the election had been stolen because, of course, there's no victim there, if that's the case. They said that this comp- these two companies, Smartmatic and Dominion, stole it. So, And they knew that that wasn't true. So what, what punishment, if any, should, that, should the organization suffer? Well, 
There were people who said that on Fox News, but most of Fox News reporting was Joe Biden won. So there, I mean, you can find that there were people who said that. So, Deb, uh, can I, uh, as usual, the mere within the first sentence you speak, I find myself swooning and in love with you all over again. But let me just make (laughs) you too, Peter. (laughs) Careful. So tell, close the door. I don't (laughs) want to rest over here. (laughs) So I want to. Here's. I haven't studied this. I haven't followed it closely. You have. Isn't it? Isn't it roughly speaking the case? Shouldn't it? It shouldn't matter if Tucker Carlson, in a private email, says Rudy Giuliani is nuts, and Sidney Powell is lying through her teeth. The fact that Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, both of whom were close to a former president of the United States who was contesting the results of the election, the fact that those people claimed it may have been a crazy claim. We now know it was a crazy claim, but they that they claimed that the company responsible for some voting machines was in on an elaborate that was news. Yes. That wasn't that wasn't some sort of conspiracy to do down Dominion or overturn the reason, or even simply to throw red meat to the audience. That was news. If it's if you can sue Fox News for putting on Rudy Giuliani, you ought to be able to sue CNN for putting on Jim Comey. Isn't they that can right? sue C- They can su- they can sue CNN and now for putting on they Rudy can. Giuliani. And now they can. Isn't that? I mean. Uh, it, it would be a completely different matter if Sean Hannity, well, maybe Sean Hannity did. So So I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm not sure that there's a, yes, it's tremendously embarrassing and everybody's chortling and chuckling and have wild impish glee that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity are exchanging emails saying these people are idiots, they're fools, Donald Trump, I can't stand Donald Trump, while they go on the air and pretend to take these people seriously. I understand that that's embarrassing. But the distinction would be between reporting news Mm -hmm. and trying to push a narrative themselves. And I don't see, this is my memory, I I don't see that Fox News championed any particular narrative. They were reporting news, and there were crazy people in the news at that time. Am am I right in my general understanding, or am I missing something? You're completely right. And let me just, just, you were talking about Tucker Carlson's text to his uh, producer, Alex Pfeiffer. That's right. Okay, so um, that has nothing to do with this lawsuit. It's just to embarrass Fox News. I mean, right. if you read this uh, 100 plus whatever it is uh, statement that that, uh, that Dominion put out, it's crack for journalists. They're it, it is they're just giving them everything they want. They're embarrassing Fox News. They're embarrassing the Fox talent. But it has nothing to do with this defamatory lawsuit. Right. It's just they've they're just trying to. I mean, the fixation that other networks and major newspapers have with Fox News is unholy, and this is the spawn of that unholiness. Charlie. So, I am, as you all know, a big First Amendment guy. Explain to me why this doesn't fit neatly within our existing libel laws. The libel laws in England are a disgrace because they essentially look only to the veracity of a statement and they don't consider anything else. The libel laws in the United States add some steps. They say you have to know what you're saying is false. 
And in the case of a newspaper or a broadcaster, you have to know what it is that you're publishing or echoing or platforming is false. And you have to do it to damage the target. Is there not an argument that both of those conditions were met here? Fox knew that what they were platforming and echoing and broadcasting and promulgating was false. They knew that. And then they did it. Why did they do it? Because they wanted to appeal to their audience and take back market share from Newsmax. I, why am I wrong? Okay, well, for one thing, uh, we, the, Ben Smith has a piece in The Atlantic today about Russiagate and how, yes, it was a total fraud and... Yes, it was a problem, but he'd do it again anyway. If somebody handed him the dossier, he would pr- he would he would print it again, but with different caveats. Right. Uh, and this was a bogus story, but nobody sued um, BuzzFeed for this, and nobody did it because it is Ben Smith argued in his piece today. Hey, this dossier was news; everybody knew about it. Now I didn't know about it. I don't know if you guys knew about it in October. I mean, not up in before California, he didn't know. Yeah, that's right. In California, I didn't know that. So he acts as though that this was something that everybody knew about. So we had this um, that he had to do it. But I don't have a problem with uh, Dominion suing certain people for saying certain things who are Fox people. I mean, I think there could be a case for Maria Bartiromo or Janine Pirro. But Fox News Network. That they were they they were covering news stories, and they had and they had Sidney Powell on. So did other networks. They broadcast things that that Sidney Powell said that were very questionable. So the idea they're just picking on one network, and we all know why. It's it's where the big pockets are, and everybody in the media will be rooting rooting for you if you go after Fox News. Yeah, but th- there's a couple problems with that. The first is that if people had sued. BuzzFeed News. Under American law, they'd have had a case if what you're saying is correct. The fact that they didn't doesn't change that. Um, The second is that Fox did not invite a random guest on and then jump in horror when he or she said these things. It was not like Twitter, where we have Section 230 in place because they don't know what I could tweet in 10 seconds. They don't pre-review it. They knew over a period of time that they were broadcasting and in some cases, including in segments that were pre-approved and pre-written, lies that were based on factual claims that were false. I I think you're right about massive bias in the media. Of course you are. And you're right about the hypocrisy of the press. And you're right about all the people who should be upset about this but aren't. And you're right that this works in one direction. But I'm not sure this is a violation of American libel law, is it? Well, I mean, I think the way this case would have worked out if there wasn't a settlement is they would have won in the in the courtroom and lost on appeal. Dominion Again, would have won. I'm sorry. They would have won in the court. They would have won mm-hmm. in the courtroom and lost on, and lost on appeal. And again, there are lawsuits to people who said things, but to go after a news network for reporting things that were said that crosses a different line so again if 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 uh if if dominion wants to sue maria bartiromo or janine Pirro for things that they said fine but to go after this network and i mean if you read through this this uh the document that they put out again it's exceedingly embarrassing i just don't know what it the fact that that tucker carlson um thought 
Sidney Powell was a, an idiot or nuts or some, whatever, whatever the exact word was. I, I don't know what that has to do with this. Well, if somebody wrote an op-ed in the New York Times saying that I was a serial killer and then an editor published it and it was subsequently revealed that the editor knew that uh, the piece was not true, that's the standard that would need to be met under New York Times v. Sullivan. So that, I think, is why it matters. Well, again, I would just say that we're in this, um, that when you look at what this lawsuit is about, the lawsuit is going after a network for for having people on. I mean, if, if you read the documents, they're angry that they had people on who made arguments that they didn't like. It's it, And by the way, did Dominion get hurt? No, Dominion's making more money than Dominion, ever. Right. Is right. Dominion worth $1.6 billion? No, it is not. So we all know that the, that the, the financial basis of this is crazy. Uh, there's no sign that Dominion has been hurt. Now, I understand reputational damage, but... Dominion's Dominion's going to come out okay with this. That doesn't mean it's okay for for people to say false things. But most of the stuff we're talking about here, they're not talking about what was said about Dominion. They're talking about what was said about the 2020 election. And that's a different thing. And they're really going after Fox News for 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 the for what was said about the election and they're going after people who on air said Biden won. So if they're saying over and over again, Biden won, Trump lost. And then you can cherry pick a few sentences that say otherwise. A lot of people are in trouble. I can tell you, or I would assume that if CNN were under the same kind of scrutiny and somebody got their hands on Mm -hmm. all of their internal documents, that you'd find a lot of the same things, people questioning stories. And again, you have to go back to to the dossier. People knew that was not a good story and they, they put it out anyway. And that Somehow that, again, not a basis for a lawsuit. Yeah, the idea, the, the standard, it seems to me there's an embryonic standard here, and that standard is that report that if you're in television news, print may be, well, print is dead anyway, so let's set that aside. If you're in television news, here's the new rule. You're not allowed to put a guest on unless you know that that guest is going to make claims that are verifiable. Well, that's... That's just not the job of the for to, to put it one uh, just a, a slightly different turn on it. When Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell appeared on Fox News making their crazy claims, they had an effect on me. I thought, wow, the whole Trump organization has just lost it. It was <laughs> valuable information in a working democracy. If they had been suppressed, if they oh, sorry, what Rudy's claiming is obviously untrue. We can't let him talk about that anymore. That would have created much more suspicion, I think. All right, so that it was, it had value. It, it was a totally defendable newsroom judgment to put Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell on. I don't know about Maria Bartiroma. I guess that's a separate where, where it would make sense to sue mm-hmm. Maria Bartiroma. Okay, so here's my question to you, Deb. Mm-hmm. If I'm, and I don't mean to lead the witness here, but if if you feel as I feel that there's a kind of latent new and unreasonable standard embedded in the result of this case. What does it mean for American journalism? What does it mean for television news? It's just the double standard. I mean, that's the thing about this. Again, you, you look at you look at the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, this is a case where uh, basically we had people like Mike Morell going saying this is a false document and it was suppressed by the media because of this bogus accusation right about i mean basically we know the laptop story was pretty true the the, the current secretary of state said it wasn't true 
Yeah, what? But and what do you not? Could you not report that? Can I mean one of the things that the lawsuit makes really clear is we have to report what both sides are saying. Are we supposed to say that the president of the United States and his campaign that we're supposed to censor them? I mean, we know how much how distrustful people are of the media. What happens if they're not airing this? And again, I think Fox did a pretty good job of explaining to people how that story worked. And you can cherry pick sometimes when they did things that were wrong and 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 it's and they get reputational damage. Except I actually think their audience wants that. I think they're people who want to be lied to. And that's another issue that that, that <laughs> yeah. Fox really pretty much understood. Um, well, that's what that's the one thing that those texts uh, the, the that were came out during discovery reveal was that people who were running these shows or the 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 stars of these shows knew that it was false, but they they also knew that the audience wasn't going to. And that's the one that. thing under American libel law you're not allowed to do. It's not that you have to know that everyone you put on air is going to tell the truth. It's that you can't put people on the air if you know for a fact that they're going to lie with your blessing. Okay, is that what this lawsuit is about? Because I could swear when I was watching election coverage that they said Joe Biden won and that they did not buy into all these phony claims. Did they air them? Did they have people who said that? Yes. But they were not doing stories about uh, they weren't. Fox News was not putting out stories saying that Dominion was wrong. The 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 Dominion was its problem. You have random people who say that. Not all not all random. But 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 what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to. We 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 just saw this. We're seeing it right now with with the laptop story, where people decide that they have to squelch something because they've decided it's not true instead of letting it be aired out in public and let people make up their own minds. That's what I thought we did. That's what I thought the news was about. And this lawsuit is trying to tell people uh no you can't do that so where does this go we know where it goes there's a double standard we yes, know we know that the left can do whatever they want and break all the, the standards that you're talking about we know that 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 new york times washington post cnn they can all break all that and nobody cares and there's only going to be one place it's going to pay for it, and that's fox news deb thank you for joining us Thank you for um, having me. But before you go, I want to make sure everybody knows that you're a limited series, podcast series um, with us covering Trump. It's there. It's great. Like a lot of good old, a lot of good war stories. And um, um, I, my guess is that you, we might be able to convince you to do another one coming up for 2024. I would love to. <laughs> okay. Because, twist my arm, please. I'll twist your arm some more. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thank Thanks, you. Deb. Thank you all. We still miss you here in California. Oh, I miss you. Well, I, and I, I miss that room. <laughs> this, that that exactly. is Stanford, right? That's Stanford. No, Library. no, that's Dartmouth. No, no, this is that's, an East Coast room. There's nothing like. Oh, the, it's just together. a backing, though. He's it's fake. It's, just He's, fake. You know. it's fake. I'm in a spare bedroom. There's <laughs> it's a, a Potemkin. There's a dog on the bed behind me in the reality scene. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Tell Wes to stop sending me torturing. Uh, to stop torturing me with texts about how lovely it is in Virginia. Okay, I I shall do that. He's my tech guy, so he's sitting oh, here. Oh, is he right there? Okay, Wes, yes. knock it off. Okay, but he can't hear because I have ear, ear <laughs> oh, That's on. good. Right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. See you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Health insurance plans can be confusing and expensive. Then when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles and claims processes and other red tape to deal with. We have all been there. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care and helps you pay for health expenses. Um, I had a, well, we've all been there. We've all had a had some kind of health insurance thing where it was a clearly a, a necessary thing and the health insured and you know, didn't fill out the form right. I've been doing this and it's incredibly irritating. And you kind of feel like, well, 
what 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 can I use the health insurance for? Well, CrowdHealth is the simple, transparent, and affordable solution. As a member, you'll get a personal care advocate to help navigate the complexities of health events. Your personal care advocate will even negotiate bills on your behalf. They'll be with you every step of the way and could save you thousands in health bills in the process. You'll get access to a crowd of thousands of other members who are ready to help pay for large health expenses. $40 of your $175 monthly payment helps pay for your care advocate telemedicine services, discounted prescriptions, and other tools to get you the best care at an affordable price. The remainder of the monthly payment goes into a crowd health account that you own, so you can help others in the crowd pay for their medical expenses as well. Experience healthcare freedom with crowd health. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code ricochet at checkout to get your first three months for just $99 a month. That's joincrowdhealth.com. It's all one word, joincrowdhealth.com, promo code ricochet. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Find out everything you need to know at joincrowdhealth.com. And we thank CrowdHealth for sponsoring the Ricochet Podcast. Um, wow, we actually, this is, a, this is a substantive podcast. I think we delivered value. I really do think we delivered some value. Um, before are you, we go, minute, are you sure? Are you telling the truth? I am. You I don't really, really know. think that. I do really think that. Um, it doesn't uh, matter before, that because we haven't discussed it before. It's the new. It's the new cook standard. The, new, the <laughs> cook right. standard. The cook. Well, standard. it's not the cook standard. The reason <laughs> I am, oh, I've got the it. reason I'm of this view though is while I absolutely agree with Deb that this is unjustly uh, meted out, I think it was wrong. For example, that Sarah Palin lost her case against the New York Times, which knew when it published the lie once again that she Hold had on, been just remind us remind us of the facts of the case well quickly the, there was a crazy guy who murdered a bunch of people and shot a congresswoman gabby giffords right. and this back in 2011 was inexplicably and disgracefully blamed on sarah palin because on her campaign website she had a target now of course we use martial language in politics all the time we call them campaigns for goodness sake she got blamed for this. This is outrageous. It turned out that the guy who did this, I won't name him as I don't name mass shooters. The guy who did this had no connection to Sarah Palin. I'd never looked at Sarah Palin's website. was in no way inspired by Sarah Palin. Now, when the Times originally blamed this on Sarah Palin, it was protected under the First Amendment. But after it had become abundantly clear and published a retraction, it knew and yet, once again, I forget right. which year it was, it repeated the line. It just included it, like one of those things that just iterate over As time. And of course, Sarah yes. Palin, who did this. And she sued them. Now, I agree with Deb. It's outrageous that Fox got this settlement, although they did settle. It wasn't actually litigated. And in court, Sarah Palin lost. But what I'm saying, as someone who is a big free speech guy and wants very expansive libel laws, is that I think that is a good threshold for libel. When you knowingly print a lie determined to hurt someone's reputation, then yeah, that actually is a good standard for libel. Sarah Palin should have got justice in that case. She didn't. And I'm not convinced that Fox is innocent under our libel laws. A 10 second rebuttal. The 10 second rebuttal would be, I agree with Deb that it may make sense. I haven't read through all the reporting on the case, but it may very well make sense under the Cook standard that you just outlined, also known as the First Amendment, for Dominion to have gone after Maria Bartiromo, possibly also one or two other figures. 
but not for Fox, not to go after Fox News, as distinct from the New York Times, which repeated the lie in an editorial, yes, which but is formally understood Times, to speak for right. the New York Times. That's quite yes. different. Quite it's different. not different under the law, though. If the New York Times accepts well, a piece by Rob ass. Long... Well, no, I mean, I, I'm well, the law might be an ass, but it's also the law. And if the New York Times accepts an op-ed written by Rob Long and Peter Robinson, accusing me of all sorts of things that I didn't do, <laughs> and it yeah. knows when it publishes it, that you two are not telling the truth, then it is susceptible to be sued but if the for New York Times, if the New York Times reports in a news story that Rob Long and Peter Robinson are claiming all kinds of mad things about Charlie Cook, which the reporter knows to be untrue, it's still news. Oh, yes, not that's news correct. Because, and right? that's why right. people say allegedly all the time. So, so that's why I am uh, drawing the distinction. All right. Of course, that would never happen, and here's why. Because the New York Times pays about $275 for that kind of op-ed, and that's just <laughs> not enough busy. to get me and Peter to say. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even gin up some lies about Charlie Cook for $200. It would have to be more. But Maria Bartiroma has a show on Fox that is produced. People sit around a table. They work out what's going to be said. They feed yeah. it into a teleprompter. They put the camera in position, and they platform it. And under current libel law, which is fairly liberal in a good sense in the world, that includes, that is included. You know, that's, that's so what, Well, all right. If we're going to go at this, do you remember exactly what Maria Bartiromo said? No. Okay. So the, uh, the distinction I'm trying to draw is between reporting something that even very loosely counts as news and instead asserting something as yes. in, 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 the, within, in one's own person, so to speak. Right. If Maria Bartiromo says, today Rudy Giuliani was at it again, that's one thing. If she says... Of course. It, okay, that's all. That, that, that distinction strikes me as important, and I'm just not sure where it fell in this case. Well, we are not going to solve that now. No, but which, if Charlie and I would like to go at this for at least another three, four <laughs> well, hours. Here's where you can go at this. You can go at this in person in the Twin Cities on April 22nd in Stillwater. It's a Stillwater meetup for Ricochet there. You can, there's another uh, Winston-Salem meetup that Randy set up again, which is Randy's MVP of meetups in Winston-Salem, mid-July. Matt Balzer is asking for RSVPs for the annual German Fest meetup in Milwaukee. So that's the last week in July. That's going to be fun. All of these meetups are available to you if you're a member of Ricochet. And if you um, they, they don't work for some reason and you're not a member, here's what you do. You just join and then you announce on the member page, hey, how about a meetup? here or there or somewhere, and you will get people to show up. That's the one thing that members of Ricochet, they show up. Um, a lot of other stuff going on, but I think, you know, this, we, we, we've, we've, uh, we've hit the two big issues. We've of done the day. enough. The podcast was brought to you by Ball and Branch and Crowd Health, so please support them for supporting us. And join Ricochet today, ricochet.com. Go and join. Take a minute to leave a five-star review, only a five-star review at on Apple Podcasts, because that's the kind of algorithmy thing that they use and helps to get people to discover um, our podcast, not just not just this one, but the other ones we do, including with Debs. Um, and I guess... I guess that's the close. We, I, I can, well, what can I say? Except we need James back because I am clearly very rusty at this. But in the meantime, um, we'll see you next week, fellas. Next week, boys. This is Stephen Hayward of the Powerline blog and the Powerline show on Ricochet, inviting you to tune in each weekend to our three whiskey happy hour, where John, you and I, along with the pseudonymous Lucretia, Powerline's international woman of mystery, break down the week's top stories and continue our long-running arguments about first principles. 
and also critique the best whiskeys available in the world. That's Powerline's Three Whiskey Happy Hour, hosted by Ricochet, and found on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Ricochet. Join the conversation.